0: Okay, could Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis actually be going to jail over emerging technology? Let's get into it. You are now inside of episode three of Beats and Bytes, and I am, of course, your host, Lauren DeLisa Coleman. I am so excited to have my guest today, um, who's going to break all of this down for us. Um, poor Ashton and Mila have had a, a couple of very rough weeks um, that I'm sure they didn't see coming. But this has popped up, and I'm going to have our guest kind of dissect it for us, but then also talk about um, some of the the applications, best practices, what's going to be up next in this whole area of NFT Web3 scenario, right? So this is an episode you do not want to miss. Um, I want to welcome Sanjay Raghavan, who is my guest for today. He is the VP of a very cool... Um, token-based company called Roofstock, which is dealing with real estate, but more so than that, or I guess I should say in addition to that, he is also an advisor to a couple of very prominent um, Web3 companies, several of them, one of which you guys have to know, which is Pudgy Penguins. Um, So he is going to kind of guide us through this space, um, both, you know, kind of, I guess, starting really kind of with the the legal vibe and then getting into more of the business opportunity vibe, right? So Sanjay, welcome. He is here um, in New York from LA. Um, He is doing this show and then he's running off to a conference to speak. Like Sanjay is just a man. So um, thank you so much for, for, um, you know, giving us these few um, moments of your time. And I'm wondering if you can start, by breaking down for those who may not know, because this hit like the Hollywood trades just a couple of weeks ago, this whole stoner cat scenario, Mila and Ashton, what, what is that? And what happened in a nutshell?
1: First of all, uh, thank you for having me, Lauren. And My I think pleasure. it's fantastic that you're working at the intersection of music, entertainment and Web3. So I think that's awesome. Um, with respect to the stoner cats project, um, uh, it was an NFT project or non-fungible token project that uh, launched, I believe, in the fall of 2021. Um, the idea was a few prominent Hollywood figures like uh, Mila and Ashton, Chris Rock, and others were going to uh, sell NFTs or non-fungible tokens to raise some money to essentially develop a, an animated TV series, uh, and the holders of the NFT would have perpetual right to watch those episodes as they came out. Um, the project actually was. Uh, Very successfully sold out, I think, in like 35 minutes or something like that. They raised about $8 million for this. Uh, And, of course, they did deliver the uh, six episodes of the series, as promised. Um, Again, these were Hollywood uh, heavy hitters, and they had the knowledge and the acumen to uh, produce these types of shows and successfully deliver on their promises. Um, The uh, more unfortunate thing that happened recently was that the uh, Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, Essentially, alleged that Stoner Cats, uh, the project, was uh, in fact a sale of unregistered securities, and uh, sanctioned uh, uh, the company, which was I think SC Two was the name of the company. Um, As part of that, um, they were uh, they had to do a a million dollars in kind of enforcement settlement, uh, and any remaining Stoner Cat NFTs that were in their possession had to be burned. Um, And this uh, is an example of. recent sec action that's happening in the nft space they've been focused otherwise a uh, lot on big uh, players in the crypto industry such as coinbase mm-hmm. ripple and so on mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, very recently we're seeing that they're shifting their attention to nft projects um so you know when we when you look at sort of what the sec alleged in this case was that they compared this uh, using this uh, uh, test they have called the howie test which was a uh, landmark supreme court test Uh, that walk through what are the components that uh, create an investment contract, uh, which therefore is a security. Um, And although uh, in this case, they did allege that the sale of stoner cats was an investment contract. And uh, in fact, the company did uh, pay a million dollars in the uh, settlement. um, There's also dissent from commissioners at the SEC saying that this was not proper uh, in SEC's part to bring about this action. And um, as a comparison, they talked about uh, artists have always relied on fan base uh, to, um, you know, fund uh, their activities. Uh, And if you sort of remove, if you take, you know, all you're doing here is using a digital conduit to do the same thing, right? Um, Because if you, if there were uh, fans who were kind of funding projects and these, uh, and and I think an example they cited was... um, when the Star Wars movies came out um, and they were launching toys, um, they didn't have the toys yet, but they kind of sold these IOU certificates and used the money, and then you know went on to uh, create the toys and distribute very them. Very cool and example. You're basically saying that the sale of Star Wars toys is a security. If you're saying that Stoner Cats was a security, right? So I think it brings up very uh, interesting uh, questions, um, and I'm I'm on the camp where I agree with the dissent. That I don't think uh, in this particular case the SEC, you know, I really feel they might have overreached uh, here. I think in in sort of targeting uh, media people or entertainment people that are prominent, um, but the case itself uh, does not look uh, on the me- on the merits of the case itself don't look strong enough to suggest that what they did was illegal or uh, you know sell unregistered securities, right? Okay. Uh, however, that's how the market is today and the regulatory action seems to be a lot more enforcement based as opposed to guidelines based. And I think we all would like to see it become more guidelines based and more clarity about what you can and, and, you know, should not be doing.
0: Absolutely. And this has always been, um, I think, the contingent point between the security like kind of industry and those who are creating a new industry whenever you go to any conferences, Coinbase, et cetera, et cetera. And they do come out, right. And speak on panels and stuff, but it's all, it's always like, like you said, this kind of like the the parental figure <laughs> telling the kids what not to do, but not giving them really parameters. Let's, exactly. um, kind of you know go back for a minute because i don't i do but i don't want to get too much into the weeds of like the legalities right so i guess my first question to you would be how could they have better prepared they being you know um those who created this right not necessarily the actors um because they can only know but so much but for those who actually created the concept and rolled everything out you know for the drop How could they have maybe avoided this? Because I know, you know, uh, many of my listeners right now will be like, well, wait a second, we were thinking about doing something now we aren't, or we haven't had that problem, but we don't want to. What what kind of is the story when you're dealing with an an organization that even has internal (laughs) fighting, right? About what is the actual standard?
1: That's a fantastic question, right? So if you Again, not going into too many details of the legality of securities law, but uh, at, a, at a very high level, the premise is that investors are making an investment in a common enterprise and the investors themselves are completely passive and they're just making that investment with the expectation of profits that this enterprise can then uh, generate for them, right, as passive investors. Um, the issue with, I mean, the one of the reasons why I think it does not apply to stoner cats is because... Stoner cats actually gave consumptive value to the investors, meaning that if you bought that token, it gave you rights to watch that program. Um, and so you know when you when you're not just completely passive and investing money for making a profit, but you actually get some utility out of it, it's hard to make the argument that at least some of the buyers did not buy those NFTs so they could enjoy the show, right? Um, now of course, uh, if, if that show was not what you were expecting, you had every opportunity to sell your NFT and, uh, you know, make money in the secondary market. And that's, in my opinion, is no different from you you buying a ticket for a concert, music concert. And then for some reason, you decide not to go to the concert and you want to sell your ticket to somebody else. Again, that's not a sale of securities because somebody is going to that concert. They're getting consumptive value out of it. Of course, there are some people buying concert tickets so they can scalp it, uh, You know, and there's a a speculative aspect to it, but speculative aspect does not necessarily make it um, an investment contract in the sense that somebody does not buy a ticket to a Taylor Swift concert thinking that in the days leading up to the concert, somehow she's gonna do something that um, generates more value for those tickets, right? Either that, you know, if it rains, for example, and people don't show up at the stadium, the tickets might not have as much value. and, you know, if, if there's more people, more demand for the tickets than supply, it might have more value. But that's speculative uh, trading of tickets. A lot of people are buying the tickets so they can actually go and enjoy the concert. So if you look at the same analogy, a lot of people bought stoner cats so they could actually be, you know, part of a community, um, you know, enjoy the show, get a, a access to uh, special utilities and things like that. Uh, now, where I think you know they could have done a slightly better job was there were a bunch of tweets from the marketing side, where, uh, for example, I think one tweet said, uh, you know, ETH was uh, dipping, so they were like, sell ETH and uh, hold on to your cash, and then when. The price of ETH uh, falls further. Buy more ETH and use that ETH to go and buy stoner cats. So then,
0: that's where the issue comes exactly. into play. So
1: I think the SEC tried to allege that those tweets somehow influenced buyers the yes. illusion that you, you could buy this and hold it for a profit. Yeah, I think there was another tweet that said uh, that quoted some of the recent sales and at what price th- those had sold at. And so again. The SEC's um, case was primarily, I think, largely uh, based on those tweets, which they quoted in their okay. uh, enforcement action, saying that to some investors, this may suggest that if you bought stoner cats, you could sell it for a profit. Um, so I would I would say that you know stick to the utility uh, as long as it's a good project backed by good people and there's strong utility. I think you're generally in safer grounds. It, it, the marketing is where you have to be careful because the SEC will look at every tweet and then interpret those tweets to say, you know, could this have somehow um, sent uh, an impression that buying this might generate profits?
0: Right. Sanjay, I think this is like such a, a great way for, for you to explain it and for many to get clarity, because since it is a new area, right, we're all kind of crafting it together. And so you just want to make sure that you stay away from any of those like kind of gray gray areas, that exactly. that being one of them. And so I think it's really key to be able to, to understand this. Let's um, jump for a quick second to, wow, just so many questions I have for you on this space um, because it's so fascinating and so much is changing, right? As we spoke a little bit offline, um, you know, that the CMO of MasterCard is really a massive fan of utility, as you know, if you've used the word um, a couple of times of, of Web3, can can we, before we go further, just kind of break down for me um, a quick definition of utility. Yeah. And then, you know, I think people are using NFT and Web3 kind of interchangeably. They are not necessarily, if you could also break that down as well too. And here's why, because of course, you know, NFT have gotten many black eyes. <laughs> this being, you know, one of the the more recent ones. But I mean, in the music space, of course, you know, where I come from and where I'm looking at, you know, whether it's been Chris Brown's kind of somewhat failed NFT or more, you know what I mean? Like what people are trying to figure out, like, what is the story? Because it seems like it's only like a scam, but yet it it isn't obviously the base of this, which is blockchain, which is a wonderful an amazing technology, that's what enables it all. But it's hard for, you know, those who are maybe looking at this from a more creative point of view, um, or even a business point of view, but not really tech um, to understand and kind of, you know, um, unpack. So let's talk again a little bit about like your definition, utility, and then Web3, how that relates to Mm -hmm, NFT. mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, even taking one step back, right? If you look at how the internet has evolved, Web 1 was primarily known as the read-only web, where there's just a lot of static websites you could go to and you could consume information, but that was pretty much all you could do. And then Web 2, more popularly, is known as the read-write internet, because not only could you consume information, you could provide information back to the internet. And social media is an example of it, where a lot of the content is generated by people who are going to the social media sites and providing those contents. But if you look at Web2, even though uh, it enabled a lot of trade and commerce, uh, that trade and commerce was all controlled by just a very few large corporations, right? Um, The people who are involved in creating the content uh, are actually not making as much money as the large corporations like Facebook, uh, now Meta or Google or Amazon and uh, eBay and so on. Web3 was really this sort of a philosophical idea of read, write, own economy, where some of that ownership or value could actually go to the people who are producing the content who are consuming the content or producing it. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, utility is sort of a central theme in in the in web 3 space because, you know, what kind of utility can you get out of either producing content or consuming content? So and, just to be uh,
0: clear, not about, you know, investing or selling something, you get this for that, but utility could be, as we typically kind of look at it, is that you're going to give me some kind of digital asset in exchange, I might be able to, oh, here's a perfect example, which I actually just experienced myself. Um, Sephora <laughs> has a uh, Created their annual kind of metaverse like experience. You go through, you're doing like games and looking at pre recorded um, uh, masterclasses from different, you know, beauty brands um, and skincare. And then there's like this little NFT swirling in the middle. All you have to do is click on it, it's very, very simple. Um, and then you can exchange this for $5 off of a $50 purchase online or in the store, right? So that's utility, right? We're not investing in, in the company. Right. Um, we're not investing in their metaverse, or whatever, expecting some kind of exchange. It's really a utility token, and, and if you that's will. That's
1: right. And the utility can actually take many forms. Uh, right. so for example, sure. uh, the ability to sort of bring the artist and the community closer together. Uh, so for example, when the Method Man did his Wu tiger clan drop, that NFT uh, came with access to real life shows and other musicians have also used NFTs to say that there's an opportunity to meet with the musician either virtually or in real life, you know, through those uh, asset purchases, right? So that's one example. Uh, Another example of utility could be uh, transfer of IP uh, to the buyer of the NFT. And so a lot of people have in fact sold music catalogs, uh, whether it's individual songs or albums, using NFTs, and the buyer gets the rights to that uh, uh, asset. And so that's another way to uh, you know, transfer some of the uh, value capture between the artist and the buyer, right? So if you look at the more traditional Web2 uh, world, uh, typically a mu- musician is working with a music label company, and they're the ones who are managing all the economics, or uh, actors are working with film studios, or, um, you know, artists are working with galleries and and in in many ways web3 attempts to disintermediate these uh, these intermediaries and really share the economic benefit between the artist and the consumers of that art so that's in a way you know like that's broadly talking about the different types of utilities you might you might get through a, an nft purchase now you know when you when you say Web three, of course, it's more than just NFTs, right? NFTs right. are one example of that. There's also fungible tokens, and um, uh, and all of this, of course, is um, uh, working on the underlying infrastructure of blockchain, which facilitates uh, easy sale and settlement of these assets without having to use um, again, you know, go through intermediaries to do this, right? So you can show up with either ETH or USDC or other cryptocurrencies. And you can directly interact with the artist to purchase whatever asset that you're interested in buying. And then as you buy these assets, you get different types of rights, uh, depending on what the artist is providing, whether that's just consumptive value, other utilities or uh, sharing of the IP and any monetary benefits that uh, come out of it. Right. So. There's different ways to sort of look at how, how that can be structured.
0: Right. And so I think, particularly for the entertainment industry or anything that's creative, you know, many have soured on this idea of NFTs. Um, not not the people who are like looking at, you know, things for trading and things like that, but I'm talking about actual, you know, yeah. creatives themselves. And so, you know, what would you say to them um, in terms of like, what's going to be the way forward with web3 being able to take or rather maybe salvage right what the good side is of of nfts and be able to now take that understanding and then put it into this new area of web3 since you know uh, so many brands have started to jump on this and you know once once consumer brands jump on it in a capitalist society we're we're going to be on that train for a little while that's um, right i am a huge fan of the idea for me i just think of it as like my cvs card and you know what i mean if you have a, a loyalty program it's a loyalty program on steroids like i'm going to do x and i get some kind of goodie back mm-hmm. um it may be a virtual goodie or a physical goodie um everybody's into that i think I think with that kind of understanding, it becomes just more of a, a get, if you will, for those who are creatives in the space. I'd love to know what you think about that and what you think we're maybe yeah. going to see in the space just next.
1: That's, that's again, it's a great question, right? Uh, I think a lot of artists are doing very successful things with NFTs because it's a really cool way to engage your community because um, it's more than just, um, you know, Instagram or Twitter where, you know, there's you're posting things and people are consuming it and maybe interacting, you know, through tweets and stuff here, actually, in addition to all of that, you're getting something off value and that whether it's consumptive value or like you said, it gives you a claim, you know, it can be claimable for rewards or other loyalty programs and so on. Um, There's a lot of consumptive value that comes with the NFTs. Right. Now, having said that, as you pointed out earlier, Uh, Not every NFT project is successful. Um, You know, and I think you uh, cited Chris Brown earlier, uh, who's...
0: No no disrespect to Chris. I think he was, you know, he thought it was going to be big. Many people had said it was overpriced, whatever. And that that was just something which it didn't maybe hit. But then there's other scenarios where people have found themselves in the Ashton and and kutcher-like space, right, where it becomes a little bit tense, you know, legally, and even if legally you don't have any, um, you know, issues to it, it still tarnishes the brand a little bit, right? Absolutely, and and, Um, and
1: to your point on, in Chris's case, like, he has 100 million, I think, Instagram uh, followers, if I'm not mistaken, so it was not the, it was not about, you know, his popularity or what he was doing. I think in his case, a few small corrections could have had a much bigger impact, like, um the i think the project was not marketed uh adequately in in that particular i agree i agree a lot of it was maybe targeted towards people who already might have known how to buy nfts and how to you know set up their Mm -hmm, wallets and mm -hmm, things like that mm -hmm. there was probably not enough education about why people should buy this how they should buy it what kind of utility they're going to get out of it Uh, i think they sort of went about and did a like a a raffle and then expected that a lot of people buy it and i i believe only 3% of the nfts sold uh, when they launched it uh, and it's certainly not because you know uh, the project itself may have been bad i think it was just not the education around it and the marketing around it
0: right and that's- it has to be seamless right if it, it exactly needs to right. be as yeah. easy as it is to just put your credit card in or whatever, just to hit a couple of buttons. And there are some really great companies that enable that now,
1: right? Yeah, absolutely. Nobody,
0: and- whenever you do it, nobody wants to know about the back end. Like, you know, a lot of the tech people don't like loving them because it does not work without them. But that mindset has to be <laughs> removed that's, because that's right. nobody, nobody cares. To go back to a second for the, um, with the Sephora experience, I'm interested to hear what you think about this because I know it will come up with the entertainment space too. Once you click on this little twirling NFT, boom, it sets up your wallet and everything for you. Exactly. All you have to do yeah. is click. But you don't get any infos about it and can't use it for 14 days. What do you think about that? And what is happening
1: I, I behind think it, the it scenes all, while the, each day uh, is,
0: like, is taking place?
1: I think in some cases, people structure these so that there's no immediate like redeeming and selling action. So um, they want people to hold it for a particular amount of time so that you know whatever marketing campaigns they want to do during that time can be done and then the nft Smart. becomes really cool, I right? like that so idea I, a lot so it's nothing it's nothing they... like
0: tech technical happening in the background oh, for no, no. that shouldn't it's be it's already a, right away but the company itself has said let's let's use this for this two week period 14 exactly. days to it's be able to do other action. things exactly. love that you guys like put that in your your tool chest for you know kind of thinking around you know these ideas about again we want to say Digital assets, like NFT, that word is like a, <laughs> a big, right. a big but, fat uh, no. Really... We were talking about this at NFT NYC that they may even have to <laughs> rename the conference because nobody wants to say NFT anymore,
1: yeah. right? It's, I mean, just think of it as—I um, think you said it uh, right. Like it's a digital asset, and it doesn't have to. You know, I mean, uh, I think the best example I can use is when we all use the internet, and nobody cares about. You know, when you go and type in your URL, it's HTTP colon slash slash whatever. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, I'm old enough to know what HTTP stands for, but I don't think any of the, like my kids have no idea what HTTP is. They don't care, right? It shouldn't matter to them. Uh, and I think it's the same with, you know, who cares if it's an NFT or whatever else it is. It's just an easier way for producers and consumers to interact with each other. Right, right, right.
0: So talk to me a little bit about how you think um, AI and the whole 3d xr etc world will intersect intersect with digital assets and web 3 because i'm quite excited about about this um i don't think anybody knows where it's going just yet but the possibilities are just like ah um, i think especially for anything that is entertainment based because i mean let's just face it that's what Drives all this stuff, right? So it's not going to necessarily be oh, everybody jumps on this because of you know healthcare or banking or something. It is going to be about the the thrill that only recording artists and and actors can bring, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's storytelling, right? At the at the at the end of the Absolutely. day. So how do you think um, you know those technologies are going to converge? Because that's my favorite. Like you know, you can take vitamin C by itself but when you combine it as a multivitamin you're like boom like a rocket ship right I, that's I what this that is enough. and this is what i keep you know telling to people that it's about the um, convergence of these get your head out of the sand only about ai it's about you know what i call the five you know pillars ai 5g digital currency web3 and the, the xr space right i'm always about demystifying decoding and deciphering everybody knows you're listening to my podcast this is like one of my main reasons for living and i'm all about this you know doing workshops and speaking around this space i want to make sure that nobody gets left behind because everybody is as i say each week i don't care what anybody says it's his or her own media company so you have to Either know about these things to apply them, or know about these things to consume them. Whatever, but it's about really being empowered. So, love it. I mean, um, I, I love
1: your analogy of the vitamin C and multivitamin. With <laughs> your permission, I'm going to probably use it. Uh,
0: okay, feel free. Talk. Feel absolutely yeah. so
1: free. Here's something I read, and you may know if this is right or wrong. Uh, it's expected that the music industry is probably going to grow to about forty billion dollars in five years. Is what I what I heard, and that's that's a huge market. And if you look at independent artists today who are Probably trying to sell through Apple or Spotify, they're making really a very very uh, small uh, amount per stream. Right. Uh, like I think in, in the case of Spotify, it's zero point zero zero five cents or something like. It's so small that you cannot actually make a living as a performing artist if you're if you're independent. And I think this technology offers tremendous possibilities for uh, disintermediating the more traditional uh, industry and really connecting you know uh, producers and consumers as we talked about it earlier now when you add uh, ai it creates lots of other interesting uh, angles right one thing i've been hearing a um, little bit about recently is generative music nfts so basically when you go to mint an nft it actually like you know uses an algorithm to generate uh, music for you for the i mean for that nft and I mean, I don't know whether that will take off as much or not, but it sounds cool that you're using AI to create music. And, uh, you know, of course, the artist will will probably, you know, have to work with some uh, software people to set up the parameters. So it sort of sounds like their voice and their their kind of music, but it's actually being put together by a computer algorithm, right? So I don't know if that but would of be course, off or not, but it's you know it sounds cool. It sounds interesting. We'll right. See.
0: But of course, you know, recording artists would take issue with that because certainly no one wants to be well I mean you know reserped. So it would need to be it'll have to a, be there, an interesting uh, combination exactly. of a, a human with that. Similar to of course the infamous Drake and weekend <laughs> AI track, which is AI, you know, version of their voices, a clone of their voices, but actually a human produced the tracks underneath it. So, you know, we're going to get into some very, very absolutely. interesting kind of uh, areas which have never of, been, uh, you know, created IP before.
1: Absolutely. But I, think, but I mean, you know, you know maybe uh, AI
0: could at least be without any controversy utilized to help, you know, drive um marketing and awareness around, you know, Absolutely. something in, in the space or maybe a new web three community or something tool, like that. Do you know what I, I mean? Think
1: that artists can add to their toolkits. Right.
0: Right. Right. Sure. Right.
1: Uh, and and I think the... the
0: immersive vibe, like what about that? Cause I'm just yeah. like, just such a huge fan. I mean, my latest column on um, NASDAQ news site is looking at some of the upcoming scenarios that's going to happen with immersive. I mean, this, just this whole idea of being able to quote unquote teleport an artist into another physical artist, you know, venue, like for example, you know, Beyonce's had all kinds of wonderful guests, guest appearances, different, at different stops, you know, imagine being able to teleport, like say, Megan Thee Stallion into that arena in LA, but Megan is actually in London right now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean it just could exactly be like right. insane.
1: Uh, I actually, I was at a conference in LA, uh, a Web3 conference sometime back where they were, uh, there was a company demoing an AR headset that you could wear and then it basically transported you to a venue where you could, you know, it felt like you were listening to a live, you know, live show. Um, so I think there's... And I think the sphere,
0: um, you know, all the hype right now is around the sphere in that's right Vegas um, for... Those of you who may not know, although I don't know how you could have missed it, you know, Madison Square Garden's <laughs> latest venue, which has, I don't know, I think they have so much technology in there. I don't even know if they know everything I, I think, I, I that it can that do and will do. I mean, it's just
1: like a TV screen or something. It's I, just I, like,
0: and do. it and it can convert for different types of uh, events if it's you know the st- there's a stage that you know moves or expands or whatever, um, the LED lights are supposed to be you know nothing that's ever been seen before. I mean it's it's really going to be fascinating. and I think maybe the intersection of like you know utility uh, tokens with something like that, whether it's just something very basic, like you know you get to go. Or you get a backstage experience, or something, or or something that's much more robust. And over time, with the community, I think is, I mean, it's mind-boggling.
1: Look, I mean, I'm sure you are aware that when Board Eight ape yacht club, the BAYC, which is one of the more popular kind of the the ape Ape NFTs, like people paid a lot of money to that to feel like they belong to an exclusive community. And every year at uh, NFT NYC. The biggest party in town was the hottest one was theirs. Oh, for sure. uh, You know, private party, right? Which was only uh, for members who uh, had these uh, NFTs. I think musicians and uh, others in the entertainment industry can absolutely create, you know, communities that are, and and people will pay to belong to these communities, right? Because that's a way to identify yourself with other like minded people. Um, And so there's a lot of possibilities, not just for, again, as we talked about earlier, not just for providing utility, providing IP rights, sharing in the value, uh, but just overall, how producers and consumers engage with each other I I agree. I agree.
0: And especially, I think, too, for executives listening and I mean, you know, individual creators, too. But I think exactly, especially for executives listening, if you can also find a way to incorporate a social impact element into everything and anything that you do um, in the emerging tech space, I think it's you know, it's only better because for those for everyone who's included there's somebody who isn't somebody who doesn't have access somebody whose internet is not moving that fast and whatever um it is important to see how can we utilize this to be able to support someone even if it's somebody who or the community that maybe is visually impaired or something like this what what can we do how do we balance this out because we have amazing technology that we have not had access to before and therefore we have the ability to do more for Ourselves and for others more than any any time before, and I think that is just so very key.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, I think it's we live in a very interesting time. These technologies, of course, you know, there's anytime something innovative and disruptive comes about, some things are going to work well, some things are not going to work well. We have to learn from that. And yeah, there's you know some fraud happening, and as in the industry they call it rug pulls or you know where where somebody's trying to sell something to make a quick buck and then they disappear right of course these things are going to happen but i think for good artists who have the sort of right you know uh, philosophical approach to this they want to engage with their fans they want to do a really good job of bringing in the community into what they're doing this technology is fantastic and i think it's here to stay and yeah i mean you know as long as people kind of are working within the guardrails and you know, just keep track of what you're tweeting or, or how your marketing teams are tweeting about it. Uh, you know, obviously you don't want to create any uh, ambiguity in, and that brings the SEC to your doors, but, you know, do it in a way that's, you know, common sense. Uh, and, you know, as long as it's with, done with the right uh, sort of mindset to bring in the uh, community together, I think uh, there's going to be like huge potential and uh, a lot of opportunity for success.
0: Perfect, Sanjay. How can everybody follow you if they want to see, you know, the latest in thought leadership, as they say, in this space? What are you on Twitter and LinkedIn?
1: Yeah, I'm eth uh, underscore Sanjay at Twitter, um, and I yeah talk a lot about uh, real world assets or RWAs, um, tokenization, NFTs, decentralized finance, which is another um, like a, this company I know just. Uh, gave a loan to uh, somebody that's working on a new project, a comic related project. uh, But he had a lot of kind of old comics that were uh, authenticated and appraised, and they had value to it, but he couldn't take it to a bank to get a loan against those comics. So these guys actually took the comics as collateral and gave the guy a loan to work on his new project, right? Interesting. that's, That's an example of financing that can work with some of you know, your collectibles like trading cards or. we will uh,
0: have to get into that for the next time, but you guys, just in case you missed it, it's ETH for maybe those who are new, new to the vibe. So ETH underscore Sanjay S -S -S A N J A Y. You guys know that you can always follow me on LinkedIn, Lauren DeLisa Coleman, Twitter ultra Lauren. And you know, you do not want to miss my newsletter that I do every Tuesday morning on LinkedIn going into, of course, whatever's the hottest in terms of power and deals at the intersection of emerging tech, mass media and entertainment um, from a Gen Z or hip hop point of view. Um, I am just so glad that you have been able to take out some time to listen to all this. I hope it's been very helpful. Sanjay, I can't thank you enough for taking your time and you know just giving us all this knowledge. Anything you want to say before we quickly wrap up?
1: No, I, thank you so much for having me. I think, um, you know, the the media and entertainment world, uh, there's just so much potential. And I love what you're doing in this uh, to, to bridge the gap between the kind of traditional and Web3 here. Um, and I hope your audience is also able to leverage this technology and sort of look at the all the opportunities that it provides. Um, I think in the next few years, uh, there's going to be just a, um, you know, it's, it's a multi tens of billions of dollars of opportunity that can be created new capital formation new ways to interact with uh, each other uh, and i just you know hope uh, your audience is able to um, use this technology to to further their uh, vision and mission absolutely thanks again
0: you guys don't miss next week's episode and if you are wondering wait a second i thought she said that she was going to be talking to the deep fake tom cruise guy this week he is actually working on something else even more manga than that, if you can believe it. And so we're going to wait to be able to connect with him so that he can actually talk about that because he can't talk about it just yet. So of course, you're going to stay tuned anyway, though, and listen to each and every episode so you will not miss it. But I'm glad that Sanjay could speak to us this week. You guys, thank you so much for listening. I am Lauren DeLisa Coleman, and this has been another episode of Beats and Bytes.